Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. This is Nicolene Peck, and I'm joined here today with my daughter, Paige Peck. Hi. Hi, Paige. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Today we are talking about having good civil discourse. Civil. I guess that means not angry, doesn't it? Well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So yes, good say, you might want to explain that just a little further briefly. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about how to discuss things with each other, how to maybe even have differing of opinions, which can happen sometimes, and how to do it in a way that is civil, which means it's kind and understanding and is not volatile, angry, and doesn't destroy relationships. And this is something that I have worked on for a lot of years and continue to work on this because I try to protect the interests of families and children and stuff like that. When I work at the legislature, at the United Nations, and as I work with leaders around the world, I'm not going to always agree with them. So I have to know how to discuss with them, how to share my opinions with them in a way that respects them but also gets the point across. This is useful for, for working in politics, in business. It's useful for families, um, our close families, our extended families. It is a really useful skill. And this is something we can tar- start teaching our children when they are really young. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, which is really great. And of course, we always look at this topic through the lens of self-government. But before we hop into that... We have to tell our fun family activity for the week. Yeah, Paige, what's our family activity for the week? So this is one that I really like and one that I did, you know, during my service time for my church. And it's, it's really fun. It's painting rocks. It sounds really silly, but painting rocks is actually really, really fun. (laughs) And especially like if you want to take time and make a detailed rock, it's really fun. And it's actually really satisfying afterwards. I've made some really, really good ones in the past. I love that. When I was young, my mother encouraged us to paint rocks. In fact, we would go camping and we would find rocks and we would paint the rocks. And I remember we all made rock that we would put by our bed and it said like prayer on it. because <laughs> So that we would stub our toe at night or we would see this rock, you know. Then it would remind us, oh, say your prayers. And then when you get out of bed in the morning, step on the rock. Oh, say your prayers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they can remind us of things. They can be really cool canvases for art. They can be inspirational. Paige, I know you've done that thing where you've painted rocks and you've hid them around the town. Yeah. And people have found them and passed them on and hid them again. And yeah. So actually, uh, there was a place where I was at where they it was like a whole community thing where everyone painted rocks and put on the back you know such and such area uh Facebook page and so when you'd find the rock you'd post a picture and then you'd say oh I found this rock and then you would hide it for someone else to find and it was really fun for the people who had painted the rocks 
to see their rocks on Facebook and know that it made someone smile or really made someone's day because in that area where I was at, you know, it was one of the little kids' favorite things to do. It was almost like geocaching, but you just go out and look for painted rocks that people had hid. I love that. In fact, I almost feel like someone could start that as a trend in their neighborhood. Oh, yeah. You know, there's these little fun places that you go where people hide things. I remember, so I've been to Greenville, South Carolina a lot, and I've toured Greenville multiple times on the Segway tours and stuff. And they have these little mice all throughout the town that are these little bronze mice <laughs> doing different things. And so as you, you know, you're going down the road and you see these little mice in this little situation and, you know, they're, they're statues, but they're t- teeny tiny mini statues and the children will go and find them. But even as an adult, it's fun to find them. Mm-hmm. And so when it's the same thing, like if someone is hiding rocks around that say inspirational things like you are my sunshine or have a beautiful day. And there's a picture of, you know, a flower or something. It just lifts your spirit up just a little bit and it unifies the community. You know, it's like finding a little hidden treasure. It's so fun. Yeah. I love it. Some people probably made their day so much they kept the rocks for themselves, but I love that most people would just pick them up and take a picture of them and be like, I found this in this tree and then say, and then hide it somewhere else and and hope somebody else will find it and tell. I just think that's so fun. Even if you don't hide and find your rocks, just paint them. They're so fun. It's a great activity for children to while away the days of summer or whenever. And when you don't know what to do, hmm, there's always rocks, right? <laughs> and a little paint, super cheap, super fun. You can get better and better at it. There's so many different techniques that you can use for painting rocks. I love Amen. that activity. All right. Well, let's talk about having good civil discourse. And of course, we view this through the lens of self-government. So self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them, which means that you are in a constant state of self-assessment. And you're saying, is this behavior, is this word that I'm about to say, is this the right way to handle the situation? Or could I come up with with something better. So first, let's talk about what's going on out there in the world. Uh, are, are there people not having good civil discourse, Paige? What do you think? Have you seen any examples of this? Yes. I would say definitely recently during this time in the news, there have been really big examples of people who have not been very civil in what they're trying to say or yeah so so there's heroes out there uh people like you know gandhi right martin luther king people that are looked up to historically for being calm and getting heard and understood pushing uh I mean, I guess if you could say an agenda, they're pushing an agenda toward acceptance, calmness, freedom, you know, whatever it is that they're pushing toward, but they all, but they all did it in a way that was civil, right? Instead of totally angry. And so we're seeing situations where maybe somebody does an action, maybe it's wrong, maybe it's even illegal, but then we have groups of people getting really, really mad. So there was a, a situation that happened recently where, you know, 
someone, a, a police officer killed a person. And, and I don't know all the particulars of the story. I have to honestly say, I haven't looked it up, but I do know that regardless of, of who was in the right or in the wrong in that story, regardless, the way that the populace was handling the story was absolutely not good civil discourse. No. It was not. There, I, there were some people probably who were trying to have good civil discourse about it. In fact, I heard of a group that was trying to be civil and discuss the situation. But basically what happened, it was like this wildfire and people started looting and rioting and tackling and fighting, beating people up, burning things, graffitiing things, you know, and, and feeling completely justified in this because something happened that they didn't like. And at the end of the day, whether they got stopped or not, whether they felt like it accomplished whatever they wanted to or not, that is not healthy, good civil discourse. It's dominance. It's bullying. Yeah. And in the end, it just ends up hurting other people. Anyway, you're like, Oh, I need to say something. I need to do something to let people know that I am offended or that I am angry. And then they do something like that. And it just hurts even more people. That's a really good point Paige. In fact, I love that you're bringing up what it does to the psyche of the person who gets angry too because it hurts them because then they feel entitled they develop the mindset of well i am entitled to get angry at somebody else because i feel anger and it can actually create more bad behavior in the future mm -hmm. and, a, and it can detach from the skill which is a very adult skill a mature skill that is Knowing how to discuss with another person in yeah. a calm, knowing how to communicate way. effectively and calmly. Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen this in many different situations, um, not just in instances of police brutality or whatever. And and again, I you know I hesitate using that term because I, I haven't even really looked it up, uh, but I know that's a recent news news story. Um, but also, you know, getting a new president of the United States. We see this, okay? People get angry. I don't want that president. Um, and in other countries, not the United States, I've seen situations where it's like, well, this leader's in, and so now we're going to have big rights in the streets. And it seems like that type of behavior is on the rise and that people feel like that it's justified. And you think it's because people honestly don't know how to communicate or they do, but they're not willing to accept someone else's opinion that doesn't match their own. Yeah. Maybe they're concerned with being right. I think, I think it's, everyone wants to be right. Okay. That's a, that's like a yeah. normal thing, a normal function. So if you get obsessed with becoming right, though, you might forget you're actually talking to people. Mm -hmm. And you might start controlling or wanting to control the way their brain thinks and, and make them think like you in an instance. Or maybe they could see a situation with a different lens, different eyes, right? It can yeah. happen. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, when it comes to an election, heavens, there's just so many different ways that you can see the outcome of, of an election. But regardless of what side you're on, there isn't ever a need to 
riot, beat people up, burn things, loot stores, you know. Yeah, well, because that's basically yeah. saying, I am offended that you don't have the same opinion as me. Yeah, that you wanted something different than I wanted. And, and I've had presidents come in that I don't like, you know, and I've had presidents I do like. And, you know, I think everybody has that. And there's a point where you have to recognize, well, I don't get to control everything just my way. It can't just be about what I want. I am not the people. The people are the people. That's different. And we may not like the outcome. So let's talk about the difference between destructive behaviors and civil disobedience. I think we've made a pretty good case or understanding of what the destructive behaviors look like. Right. People are yelling and hitting and burning and looting, and that is destructive behaviors. Right, and it's selfish. But, yeah, and those things, they are selfish. That's a really good point. They are all about you and your feelings. That's what they're about. Mm-hmm. But they are different than civil disobedience. Civil Definitely. disobedience has a place. Civil disobedience is really powerful. Mahatma Gandhi practiced civil disobedience, negotiation, discussion. Um, Martin Luther King, civil disobedience. There were people with signs, people doing marches, but they were calm. They were respect respectful. They followed the law. You know, these were civil disobedience. They made a huge statement and they, in the end, changed the course of society. But they were not destructive behaviors, totally different. So I would like my children to know that they can always practice civil disobedience. I've been part of many rallies over the years where I've held signs to protect family, actually, to protect parental rights, to protect liberties, to protect um, children and the harm of children stuff like that. So but those things definitely have a place. People need to have a voice. The, those, those civil disobedience actions like being part of a rally are not about forcing anybody to come to your way of thinking. They are just about saying, have you thought of this? Yeah, or, raising awareness. Yeah, we think this. We're not, we have a different opinion. There yeah, are it's, people it's like with a different opinion. We, this is what we think and this is why we think this and why we think this is correct or right. Mm -hmm. And I have had people practice civil disobedience against me. Okay. So the, yeah. well, if you're going to dish it out, be ready to take it back. <laughs> of course. So while working at the United Nations, there have are groups there, certain groups that do not agree with our group, which is very much in favor of strengthening home and family. And I know it seems like weird that there would be a group that isn't on the same page as that, but they're not. They're more involved with the self, okay, as opposed to the family unit as a whole. And so I have had people, I have passed by demonstrations where people are, you know, having signs and making actions and people duct taping their mouths saying, nobody's listening to me, you know, and, and stuff. And that's okay. They can do that. It's totally fine. In fact, I'm happy that they can do that. If we ever have a society where people can't have civil disobedience, then we've got a problem, right? Because that, that preserves freedom. Right. It's almost a more assertive way of doing things 
you're, you know, you're remaining calm, but you're like, hey, you know, we need to raise awareness about this because people may or may not know about it, or they may not understand why, you know, this is an important way of thinking, or this may open up a new side to things, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's, yeah, the name civil disobedience sounds disruptive. It's, it can sound confusing, but it's the civil part we want to talk, we yeah. want to focus on, right? Yeah. And, and disobedience is basically saying, listen, there's a law or there's a common consensus, but I'm going against it. It should probably be more like civil dissent instead of civil yeah. disobedience. But the term that is used is usually civil disobedience. And, mm-hmm. and um, we need to make sure that we preserve civil disobedience while at the same, because dissent is important. People need to have their own opinions, but at the same time, destructive behaviors are never okay. Coercive, um, aggressive, uh, battle type behaviors are never okay. You know, turning streets into war zones. What good is that? That's not, that's not important. So how do we, how do we see this happening closer to home page? When we look in the family, what are we seeing? Cause there's, there's nuclear family, extended family, what does it look like when there's destructive behaviors in those environments versus civil disobedience? I think a lot of it comes, well, I mean, some of it can come in discussions or discussion type settings. Something will come up where one person feels very strongly about something and everyone else may not share that same point of view. And, you know, that person gets very heated because a discussion is going about and people are saying, well, I don't really agree with that. You know, this, that, and the other, and this is why. And the other person is just like, but no, you don't see this. You're not understanding. And so then, you know, the conversation can get out of control. I think that's the biggest thing is the conversations go out of control. The conversations can become selfish, can become emotional, heated, and go out of control mm-hmm. where, where then nobody is like, that's it, I've had it. Yeah. Right. And, and then when that happens, people are thinking about themselves and they turn on the group. They think of the group as enemies. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest difference is, are, is the group an enemy? I hope the group's not an enemy. I hope your friends, even if they think different than you, are never your enemies. I hope your family, even if they think different than you, are never your enemies. You could be diabolically opposed to something that a family member or good friend stands for, and it is still possible to love them. And talk with them. And talk with them. Yeah, I say, I know you were them. telling me a little while ago of a friend of yours who his brother is, you know, completely opposite of him. Um, Different beliefs, different religious core, different practices, you know, everything. Things that, like, it's almost as if the lives of each of these two brothers are like to shock the other person. I mean, it it really looks like, (laughs) you know, it's like, whoa, you know. Yeah, but like they still discuss, like, why the person feels a certain way about a certain thing that one of them does and at the end of the day yeah they disagree on a ton but they still love each other they still talk to each other all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that is maturity okay Mm -hmm. that is maturity that is understanding it's okay if we disagree this these brothers one of them in particular he'll just say well my brother thinks this way about that but i don't 
I think this way. And, and he's think, just like totally fine with that. Yeah. I think a lot of it is choosing to care about other people instead of about yourself or more than yourself. And more than the issue, right? Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's kind of like the saying, you know, hate issue. the sin, love the sinner type of thing. Yeah. But that's easier said than oh, done, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to go ahead and throw out idioms, let's just do them all. No, <laughs> it's, easy, it's easier said than no, done. But <laughs> right? Anyway, but, um, but I, I feel like that these brothers set the perfect example. I'm glad you brought them up because they inspire me. I really only know one of them well, but he talks to me about his brother and he does so with such love and understanding. And sometimes when he's like, yeah, he's totally opposite of me on that. He might chuckle a little like, but that's okay because (laughs) that's just how it is. And he respects that other brother's choice to think another way. Yeah. Well, I'd say it that happens can be hard to do in family because yeah. sometimes in family, we think we have to be all the same. And, and sometimes we start out all the same. But we don't end all the same because we have no, but even like looking at and, your family, like my aunts and uncles on your side, there's so many differences between all of you, mm-hmm. but you still get along, you know, amazingly. Mm-hmm. And there may be things that some of them do that maybe we're like, Oh boy, here they go again, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but we still love them and like, Oh yeah, they're my family. And we're proud to call them family. Yeah, absolutely. And, and still it's like, but that person has so much value. And at the end of the day, that's one little off topic. It's one Mm -hmm. little thing. It's one little news event. It's one little life choice. You know, maybe it's something like, well, I choose to be on this side of a particular piece of legislation, but I could have a family member that is on another side of that particular, that piece of legislation. That's okay. Yeah. That's this okay. Too In fact, pass. I dare say <laughs> probably there are people that, that follow my parenting stuff that aren't even on the same page with every single piece of legislation that I may be working on because there are so many different types of people out there, but hopefully people can look past that and say, well, what good stuff does she have to give? How can I learn from her things that are going to really be life altering for me and for my family? What can I grab from her? Even if I don't understand everything or even if I don't agree with every single thing. There are people who have taken your course and stuff where they're like, well, you know, we're not the same religion as you and we don't have the same political beliefs as you, but you have a lot of good stuff here and you've got skills that can help anybody of any faith of any political belief. Mm And, you know, there's a lot of truth here. And yeah. I think that's what really matters is if but people are looking for the truth, fact, yeah. then that's what matters. Well, and I'm not going to hide the fact that I love God. No. Because you know? there shouldn't. are some people who are like, oh, but she's one of those religious people. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, and, we are. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I am. I'm not going to hide that fact. I, I unapologetically declare I love God. But that doesn't mean that a person who is not religious can't gather a whole bunch of stuff from what I teach. And right. I hope that they wouldn't pass judgment on me and choose to be closed minded because see, that's what happens, especially in extended families. But even in the nuclear family is once people focus too much on an issue, they become closed minded. Mm-hmm. But when you focus on the people 
and on the fact that the people have potential, they have something they can offer, they're valuable, then you can be open-minded. So if somebody comes in to say some of my courses and stuff, and they're open-minded, then if there's one thing they don't agree with, they'll just be like, whatever. And they'll, but they'll be like, but I love all of this. Right. And, and I think I'm that goes with this. anything. Yeah. Because if you're in an honest search for truth, you're going to find, you're going to try and find everything that you feel fits your core values and will do you the most amount of good. I love that. You know what? This is a, this is a close to the heart topic for a lot of people, Paige, because um, you know, people have always had situations in their family where people have been all raised the same faith and people have left their faith, faith or, you know, or follow different life paths. It's not new, but what I've noticed as families come to me and talk to me about what's going on at their houses and in their families is those instances are on the rise. Oh, for it, sure exponentially like over the years from when I started teaching this 21 years ago to now the amount of families I hear of that are their common ground is eroding and it's destroying all of their relationships so the children are 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 pulling away from the parents common ground and the couples and spouses pulling away from each other it's really kind of epidemic proportions and the strain on the family is real. And this is a hard thing. So this is close to the heart for a lot of people. So let's talk about what to do. How yeah, do we have, say, there's, there's a lot of solutions and I think yeah. we're going to talk about six in particular. Yeah. Six steps today for having good civil discourse. Mm -hmm. That's think, what we want to focus on. Yeah, I say, and the first one, I think one of the biggest ones is roles. Understanding roles, understanding where you fit into a particular situation, and understanding how others also fit into that. Because I think, like, when we're talking about, talking about rioting, people don't understand that their role as a citizen, you know, a lot of times we think, you know, to be a good law abiding citizen wherever we live and to, you know, support those people who are our leaders and the ones that who uphold our values well and not just that but like just our community too yeah as a member of a community what role do you have a neighbor a of community a friend yeah. what does it really mean to support your community you know because as a community member you're supposed to support not antagonize that's not a you're not living up to your role as a community member if you are starting fights in the right community. you're there to help your fellow men not to hurt them yeah so if you if you go to the the owner of the you know i don't know the the five and dime store the the clothing store whatever in your community and you crash through their window and steal their stuff you're not living your role as a member of that community right mm -hmm. and if you as a member of a family decide to attack, sabotage, talk behind the backs of, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't try to look at somebody's potential, but instead just condemn, condemn, condemn. If you go in that direction, 
are you really living up your to your role as a sister a daughter a son a mother a father no because your role surely is not to divide the people it's usually to be part of the unification process of the family yeah so i think that's one of the big things is to just try and understand what your role is in your society yeah who are you and that's different than responsibility and, and different situations in the society too sometimes the role changes depending on the situation yeah for sure i mean i think i think if you're part of a free society which good percentage of the world is you do as a citizen of a free society you have a role to take a stand for what you think is right okay that's a yeah. that's part of your roles you know but at the same time you have a role you have a responsibility as part of that role of taking a stand for what's right to also honor all of the other people around you in the community and not just think of yourself that takes right. maturity and that you know what that really brings us to what it means to know your role and to understand your role which is to have your heart turned toward the other people around you in a healthy way. Yeah. Well, and part of that having, you know, your heart in the right place leads us to our second solution, which is plan for what to do when people don't agree. Because when you really do care about other people and your heart is in the right place, you're going to have a plan for what to do when people you love don't agree with you. You know, yeah, whether you it's someone sometimes... in particular or not, it's going to be like, Oh, you know, okay, well, here's my battle plan, <laughs> battle plan, my plan for when you know, someone doesn't agree with me. And I know for us, it's really easy because our plan is, well, we're going to be calm and still show the person that we love them. But, you know. We have certain skills that are part yeah. of our plans, right? So we know that we're going to praise things when they go right. We're going to correct things when they go wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though Paige, you're 22 years old, still I might kind of come to you and say, you know, hey, this might be something that you want to, you know, yeah. think about yeah. right and that's because it's total love and you know that's my role okay and you know <laughs> well, and I know you wouldn't bring it up unless you felt like I hadn't noticed it already or you felt like it was really important right right not to just nag or something yeah. like that yeah exactly to try and help you sort something out or bring something to your attention absolutely I don't want to micromanage your life but I do care <laughs> <Appreciate> right <it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I do care yeah so so we have to have a, a plan or a way that we understand how that will work you trust me that's I a do. big part of our plan is that because our roles because we understand who each other is and their roles that I'm still your mother but I'm not in control of your life then my role looks different than it used to back in the day when you right. lived at my house, right? But you're my daughter still, and there's still a feeling of honor from you, and you, res you ha have respect for the wisdom that I have, and you know that my love is sincere, that I'm not just a controlling person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really sad. When somebody just goes that direction toward controlling person, then the roles get all, con all messed up because that's, then there's not trust in the relationship. So we right. have plans in our family. We've always had plans. Um, we've planned exactly how we will correct a problem when it occurs, exactly what the negative consequences would be to something or positive consequences would be. And then we have meetings where we check up on this plan, see how we're doing. Mm -hmm. We have skills. Many people 
know me for the four basic skills. There are certain skills that we use, that we teach the children how to use. And there's something else we do called group problem solving. And this is something that we do when the whole group maybe doesn't agree. Maybe there's multiple people on different sides of, of a debate, say for instance. There's a way that we handle it. So each person gets a chance to talk. Share their side of the story. Yeah, to share their side of the story and to convince the other people. Everyone listens patiently with understanding, with love, with value. Being willing even to change their minds if they see the truth finally in what somebody else is saying. Because sometimes you can change your minds. I've changed my mind before. And it feels good when you recognize, oh, I didn't see that before, but now I do. Yeah, well, when you receive new information that adds to what, you know, could be true, you're like, oh, okay, that changes things. But there are some people, Paige, who refuse to change their mind because they don't ever want to admit someone else was right. Which is a pride thing. It is a pride thing. Yeah, so humility's good. Try that. Yeah, you have to try humility. Solution like to be. <laughs> try humility. I like that. Just give it a try. Yeah, but I, I, I really like how you were talking about group problem solving because sometimes part of that is accepting a no answer, which is our third solution, our third step. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, because sometimes no life doesn't that. always tell you yes. In fact, a lot of times, more often than not, it tells you no. And so... You know, no answers come in many different ways, especially socially. Like, yeah, someone got in for president that you didn't like. Oh, well, that's a no answer. You know, or. Or, oh, we're having spaghetti for dinner and I don't like spaghetti. Oh, well, that's a no answer. You're going to have to just go through it. Just Mm -hmm. eat it, you know? Yeah. And that's, those are normal part of things. In fact, you know, your children's book. Uh, Porter earns a quarter. That's all about no answers. Of course, that's a children's book, but it talks about the skills for life situations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Talks about a lot of different life situations where no answers are there, whether they're recognizable or not. Mm -hmm. And part of a no answer is being able to see that, and if you don't agree with it, to be able to disagree appropriately, which is our fourth step. So disagree. Well, first, before we hit number four really quickly, so accepting no answer, there's four steps to that. You look at the person, you keep a calm face, voice, and body. You say okay, or you ask to disagree appropriately, and then you drop the subject, okay? So dropping the subject is huge. That means you're not going to talk about it anymore. That's one of the hardest things that a person even has to do in that particular skill. But that calm face, voice, and body sets the stage for a person being able to drop the subject. So anyway, that's what you want to be able to do. If something doesn't go your way, think, accept the no answer. Whether you really can disagree appropriately with the person or not, but usually you can always disagree appropriately. As Paige said, that's step number four, and that's also one of our four basic skills. So to disagree appropriately, you look at the person you keep a calm face, voice, and body. You say that you understand their point of view. And then you share your point of view. Then you listen to what they have to say. 
and you drop the subject. So for spaghetti for dinner when you didn't want it, what you would do is you would keep a calm face, voice, and body. You would look at mom or whoever made the spaghetti. I almost said biscotti. Anyway, you, you would look. Boy, I think I hang around. Thing. Yeah, I think I've been hanging around London too long. She <laughs> likes to say it wrong on purpose. Because it's fun. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I would look at mom. I would keep a calm face, voice, and body. And I would say, mom, I understand that you have spaghetti on the menu tonight and that that's what you've made, but I really do not enjoy eating spaghetti. Is there a way that I can have a salad instead? Or can I make a grilled cheese sandwich instead? Or something like that. And then I would listen to what mom has to say. So after you listen to the other, or tell the other person's point of view, then share your point of view, then you listen to what they have to say. And if mom says, no, I'm sorry, you're going to have to be able to learn how to eat something you don't like. It's a good skill for life. And so you do need to eat the spaghetti, but I'll tell you what, you can have more salad than spaghetti. You can have just a little bit of spaghetti and then some salad, you know, fill the rest of your plate with salad and you can have some garlic bread or whatever the family was having with the whole meal. And then the person has to say, okay, and drop the subject. Now, if we're talking about a situation in a civil environment, let's say that a person is, uh, you feel like a person has done something wrong. Maybe it's a situation of police brutality, okay? How do you disagree appropriately with that? Well, there actually are many ways but people probably aren't always thinking of them. Did you have an idea, Paige? Well, I just say, you know, before you try and disagree with someone, you really, like part of, you know, you were talking about really listening to the other person during disagree appropriately, which is our fifth step, you know, is to really listen to that person. But part of truly listening is mentally putting yourself in someone else's shoes, trying to see and understand where they're coming from, you know, without taking offense, but just to observe and to analyze, but not to judge because that's not our place anyway. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be willing to put yourself in their situation, you know, whether it be mentally, emotionally, um, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and be able to be there and, and try to understand even if you don't agree. And that's, that process is how you bond with someone. You, you seek bonding with someone. And that is a very healthy, important thing to do, especially if you don't agree with someone or if, you know, someone is living a lifestyle that you don't agree with, but you still love them. You know, like those two brothers, the one brother lives a lifestyle that's completely different and like you know, morally different, like oh, morally, morally different than yeah. the other brother. But he still wants to be in his life and he still loves his brother. And so of course he's going to try and understand where his brother's coming from, but he's not going to accept that for his own lifestyle. You know, he's going to try and understand it so that he can understand and love his brother better. Mm -hmm. And the other brother, uh, the one, so, so he says, one brother says, I'm not going to accept those ways as my lifestyle but I am going to totally love, understand, listen to, care about, pray for this other person. But the other brother 
is not taking offense that the other brother is not taking on his lifestyle. No. Or is not even standing up for his lifestyle. He's not taking offense. Now, do you know how mature this is? Because some people think, well, if you are not with me, you are against me. Either you're with me or you're against me. That is a battle mentality that so many people take on in this life, which is so sad. I'm so glad you brought up really listening because that's a key part of disagreeing appropriately. When you're trying to think, where is this other person coming from? Hope, hopefully you're really listening to them. But it's hard to really listen if you're not keeping a calm face, voice, and body. And if you're entertaining your own thoughts in your head at the same time. You have to let right. yourself You have to open your heart up to them. Exactly. And I love that you said bonding because that's definitely what that is. And lots of times when we don't agree with someone, we don't think in terms of trying to bond with them. No, no. <laughs> but no, it really should. takes a lot of humility and maturity to seek that kind of bonding and to put yourself in that position. Yeah, absolutely. So then the last step to both disagreeing appropriately and accepting no answers, and our last step to having good civil disobedience is dropping the subject. Dropping the subject is difficult because that can mean maybe we didn't win. It, it won't look like we won. Well, we but didn't it, win. Quote yeah, unquote. yeah. It, that's only if you have battle mentality, right? Yeah. So it's if only you if say, you're out to win. If you say, I shared my opinion, I exposed, you know, the falsehoods, I told the truth, I did what I know I morally have to do, and now I can let the chips fall where they may. I may have to say something at another rally or another thing, but I'm not going to think that just because I take action, somehow I have to be victorious. I think that's where movies lead us astray. <laughs> we see the hero <laughs> do a couple of really brave things, and we know the hero's heart is good, so we assume that the hero must, you know, need to have everything go their way in the end. When sometimes in real life, the hero has to drop the subject and recognize they did not get everyone to see their side. But that doesn't ever mean that things have to be over. You can still work toward pursuing the truth and perpetuating truth as you need to within your family and without. But it can be a long-term process. And the most important thing is that each person was able to feel understood, feel connected with the people around them, and still be able to hold on to their opinion. Yeah, and just because someone doesn't see your way doesn't mean that you have to let go of your opinion to try and be in someone else's favor. No, you can still be a wonderful, loving, kind person and, you know, have a completely different view on something. Yeah. And people will and still love you. Like, some of the people that I love the most do not share you know, the same religious beliefs as me or the same political beliefs as me, but because we see each other as people and as, you know, beings with meaning and value, then that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. I love that. In fact, that was probably the final thought I had with dropping the subject was really that we have to be the example really more than try to push our idea 
So if we can be the type of person that really does love, honor, and under, try to understand all the people around us, that speaks volumes. That speaks way more than any rioting and any anger. Oh, yeah. You know, I know that there's another idiom. I don't even know how many we've said during this podcast, <laughs> but there's another idiom that's the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. And as much as, as much as in some cases that's true, there is something in every person that looks at the person who was calm and the person who was understanding, loving, and communicated in a way that was civil, that they say, that person though, I think even though that other person kind of got their way, I think I'm more aligned with that person. There's something about that person I would like to bond to and learn more about. And that's really the true message. And that can always exist when you're dropping the subject. If you're calm and you're okay, then that shows that you have a truth that people need. And, you know, you could still be an heir on a couple of things, but, yeah. but that helps you at least maintain the openness in the relationships. And it's I'd say hard. that a lot of like good examples when it comes to that is happens through, you know, it's unspoken, it's quiet, but people notice. Mm-hmm. Whether you think they do or not, you might not always know when people notice, but people do. Like, just think of someone you revere a lot. What is it about them that you revere? A lot of times, it's just the way that they live their life on their own. Yeah. They just are the living example of mm-hmm. what they what they believe. They just are. Yeah. Which is wonderful. You know, civil discourse is all about love. It's all about bonding together. And it is hard. It is probably especially hard in families when people Mm -hmm. in families have different ideas and different opinions on different things, but we don't have to put up with allowing that to tear us apart. We don't have to. And I think that's the biggest thing is we can say, okay, well, who are we? What's our plan? What skills do we need? Are we really listening? And can we really let it go when somebody else doesn't want to believe like us? Hopefully we can do all of those things. And if we can, we can solve our problems better than we ever thought possible. Self-government is a process of knowing who you are, making a plan and knowing how to handle a situation. We have given you great examples today for how to do that, how to improve your civil discourse and promoting that. Your children will be powerful if they don't have to be the ones that are angry. And so will you. There are so many more things that we could learn about self-government, Paige, but we definitely do not have any more time. If you want to find more about teaching self-government, our ways, our skills, how to help your family bond better, you can go to teachingselfgovernment.com and you can find more things there. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.